You're listening to the River City Church Podcast. Our desire is that you know Jesus, experience freedom, find community, and discover purpose. For more information, check us out on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co. Here's the message. If you've got your Bibles, we're in Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. Uh, our team asked if I was going to continue last week's message as a series, and I said, probably not, and then here I am continuing it as a series, so we're in part two. Uh, <laughs> uh, part two, detours, delay, and destiny. Quick recap from last week if you missed it, is we uh, discussed the importance of how even in detours, and can I just say this, um, I'm going to just apologize for prophesying some detours in Mason City. Apparently, there's going to be a big one over the next couple weeks, so uh, I apologize for that. I'm just kidding. You start talking about detours, some of you are all like, what's he talking about? You'll find out. Um, but, uh, but so, <laughs> let me, well, I almost forgot. Today's Super Bowl Sunday, and uh, how many of you are, are going for the Rams? We had Okay, we had way more Ram fans for a service. How many of you are going for the Bengals? Even fewer. How many don't care no matter what? You're like, I'm in it for the commercials or I'm not even, okay. I, I tell you what, you know, getting to see the Rams and the Bengals in the Super Bowl, especially the Bengals, I, I'm not particularly a, a Bengal fan, but it does encourage me for anybody who, uh, you've been cheering for your team and they just can't quite make it. Uh, I'm talking to you Vikings fans. <laughs> All right, get on to my sermon before anybody leaves. Um, Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, talking about de- de- detours, delay, and destiny. And uh, last week we focused more on the detours, and we looked at the story of the Apostle Paul who had been shipwrecked on Malta, and he c- kind of through that whole season of, of weathering storms and ending up in several detours, God, through those detours, ended placing him right where he needed to be to make the greatest impact and experience destiny in his life. And uh, that was not only for him to eventually preach a gospel in Rome, but to see the island of Malta turned upside down. And we looked at how detours are caused by a few things. First, they're caused by distance. Uh, detours are caused when there's a distance between us and God, and we've, we choose our own way. We choose our own course. We, we decide we're going to do it our way instead of God's way. Uh, and, you know, I've never found that to be a, a recipe for success and definitely not uh, what I was created for. And so the second thing that causes detours is resistance. We saw first the distance, then the resistance. As there's spiritual opposition at work, as the enemy tries to stop what God has started in your life. And the third one is where we focused on, and that's providence. Providence, and we can put the definition of this up. Providence is the protective care of God. It's God's hand at work, redeeming and restoring. God taking in the middle of our broken situation, even what people have done to us and caused in our life, he's able to heal and set free and restore in such a way that God brings destiny even out of detours. Uh, And so his providence is protective care of God, but it's also, uh, as we saw last week, the timely preparation. This is a dictionary definition. Timely preparation for future future eventualities. What does that mean? It means that God is at work today making things happen that I'm going to need tomorrow. God is at work today in my life and through my life in such a way that he's preparing for something that I don't even see 
tomorrow. And God has a plan and he has a future and a hope for every single one of us if we'll trust him and allow his hand to guide and lead the way. Luke chapter eight, we're gonna focus a little bit on delay. Uh, this message is for anybody who's had a delay. I don't know about you, but I, I, I get a little bit uh, impatient when my fast food isn't fast. There's just kind of this expectation, and it's kind of one of those things in our culture we've been conditioned to. Uh, anybody remember AOL? Some of you are going to take your kids one day to show them the disc to a museum to say, this is what it was like. This is how you got free internet for a month. And, uh, and, and so I remember as a kid... Uh, booting up the AOL, and <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Uh, you had the little floppy disk, and you get your free trial. And so it would have this long dial-up sound, and you had to wait. And nine times out of ten, I got a busy signal. Some of you are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. You're blessed. <laughs> and I would wait for, literally, I'd have to retype my password like 30 times just to log on to check my email. And I was like nine years old. Nobody was emailing me anyway. <laughs> but we are, at least in that area, I'm thankful that, you know, it's, the internet's a little bit faster and we can get things a little bit quicker. But sometimes even in our walk with God, we have that same expectation is that everything is going to be instantaneous. Everything's going to be immediate Everything's going to be about now, and, and because we experience delays, sometimes we misinterpret who God is and what he wants to do in our lives. We misinterpret our season. The title for today is Delayed But Not Done. Delayed But Not Done. Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 40, we're going to look at two stories that are going to intersect, and both of them have experienced uh, one has experienced delay and one's about to, uh, but it starts with this, Luke chapter 8, verse 40, so it was when Jesus returned. He was on one side of the Sea of Galilee, and he had just crossed back over after setting a man free who had been tormented by demons. Then the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. You know, I, I think there's my definition of waiting and the Bible's definition of waiting, my definition of waiting is kind of checking the clock, checking my phone, seeing how long I've had to wait, marking the days on a calendar. It's passing time. And the problem with that kind of waiting is I'll usually grow impatient. I'll usually wonder, is God doing something right now while I'm waiting? They're waiting for Jesus to come back across the Sea of Galilee. And they're waiting for him. But you know, the Bible gives us a better picture of what waiting is to be for a believer. It's not the passing of time, but it's an active participation with God. See, waiting is not a passive thing. It's not an indifferent thing. It's not me sitting back wondering why, but it's actually something I'm to be engaged in with God. It, it, as the Bible defines it, it's a hope-filled expectation. Let's look at that. Uh, Psalm 27, 13. David wrote this. He said, I would have lost heart. I would have been discouraged. I would have quit. I would have thrown in the towel unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Not just when I get to heaven after I die, but in my life that I would, I believe that I will see God at work. Verse 14. So here's the result. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart, way I say, on the Lord. Isaiah 40, 27, uh, he says this, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, 
and my just claim is passed over by God. You know, he's pointing to really how a lot of us are, myself included, in seasons where I feel like God isn't doing something in the manner and in the timetable that I'm wanting him to. We feel like God's forgotten. God's passed over. God, why are you ignoring my prayer? God, why aren't you hearing what I've asked? Don't you care? You know, we go through all of these emotions and these feelings, and we're looking at the clock instead of trusting, believing, hoping. Watch what it says. Have you not known? This is the response. This is God's response, the prophetic response in the passage in Isaiah. To any time we feel like this, have you not known and have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator, the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. God's not tired. He's not missing what he's supposed to do. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. That's good news, church. I get tired while I'm waiting. I get discouraged while I'm waiting. God meets me in those moments and strengthens my life and yours. Even you, young people, even youths will become uh, faint and tired or weary. And the young men will utterly fall. So even our own natural strength, energy, passion, whatever, it runs out with just what life brings. But those who wait on the Lord. Those who wait on the Lord. This word wait literally means to look with anticipation or expectation, to look with hope. It's not a passive thing. It's not me sitting wondering, oh God, why? When are you gonna do it? It's going, God, what do you want to do today? I'm looking with anticipation. I'm expecting, I'm hope-filled that I'm gonna see God at work in my life right here, right now. And while I'm waiting, I'm looking. While I'm waiting, I'm hoping. He says the result of that kind of waiting, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Waiting, biblically speaking, is not about the passing of time, but it's actually about dependence on God. Now, what does that look like? It looks like this. It looks like I'm still praying while I'm waiting. It looks like I'm believing while I'm waiting. It looks like I'm still worshiping while I'm waiting. There's an active participation. You know what it also means? It means I'm obeying while I'm waiting too. Uh, anybody make deals with God? God, if you do this, then I'll do. <laughs> you know, God meets us even in moments, but I, I just want to tell you that's a recipe for frustration because I think you'll miss a lot of things God is doing today while you're looking for the one thing that hasn't happened yet. And so we're praying, believing, worshiping, trusting, obeying, all those things while we're waiting. Luke 8, 41, and behold, there came a man named Jairus. He's a ruler of the synagogue. He's a religious man. He's a spiritual man. He's a leader. But yet he's also, in spite of his having everything naturally that he needs, He's actually in deep need because it says his daughter is ill and she's dying. So Jairus was a ruler of the synagogue and he, among that crowd who's been waiting for Jesus, fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter at about 12 years of age and she was dying, but as he went, the multitudes thronged him. As Jesus went to this man's house, as Jesus starts the journey, from the side of that waterfront to from the Sea of Galilee all the way to this man's house, they experienced delay. 
The crowd is gathered around Jesus, and so their movement is hampered or slowed because people are curious and they're interested in Jesus. They've heard the miracles, they've heard his words, and they're gathering around him. But if I'm Jairus, I'm feeling a little frustrated right now because I have a need. In fact, I don't just have a need, I have a grave, serious need. And I've come to Jesus and I'm asking, pleading, Jesus, come and help my daughter. Come and move in my family. And Jesus starts in that direction. But along the way, he seems to be held up or delayed by the crowd, by the people. And here's what it says in verse 43. Now a woman who had been among those waiting, she had a flow of blood for 12 years, same amount of time that his daughter's been alive. For 12 years, this woman has had a persistent, unresolved issue in her life. And she had spent all her livelihood on physicians. Luke, the writer of this gospel, is a physician himself. And it says that she could not be healed by any, that every effort that they could come up with could not solve her problem. There's always a limit of what we can do. And so she's not only physically in need for 12 long years, she's experienced a physical infirmity and issue of blood. If you knew the culture and the time, that also caused her to be religiously separate from the society. And so she's relationally isolated. She's physically in need. Not only that, but she's, she's broke because she spent everything she has trying to make it better, but she can't. But now she hears of Jesus. She hears about the one who opened blind eyes and the one who opened deaf ears, the one who raised dead things to life, the one who walked on water, the one who, with his word, would teach and instruct and lead people to God. She hears of Jesus, and she does something very important. She came from behind the crowd, and she touched the border of his garment, and immediately, immediately. See, see here's the picture. There's a crowd around Jesus, and, and most of the crowd, while I'm sure everyone had some kind of a need in their life, most of the crowd was there because they were curious. And they were surrounding Jesus. And she sees him, and she does something, because this woman has been waiting too. She's been waiting, not for a moment, but for 12 long years. I'm sure there were moments of desperation where she said, God, is this ever going to be different? Is this ever going to change? And she's, but she sees Jesus and she does something that I think is important for all of us. Because how we define our delay matters. Some people look at their delay and they define it as God didn't, therefore he won't. She's had 12 years. Nothing seems to have gotten any better. Maybe it's gotten worse. I don't know. But she could have used the last 12 years of history to build in her mind. Do you know what theology is? It's not just something you go to a seminary and get a degree in. Theology is just simply our view of God. Some people develop a view of God based on their history and their pain and their brokenness and their feelings and what others have done and all of those things. The problem with my feelings is they're flaky. She's doesn't do that though. She doesn't define her delay by what hasn't happened. 
by what hasn't happened, but instead who Jesus is. This is why it's important for us to know God's word. Because God's word tells us who we put our trust in. His name is Jesus. He's the miracle worker. He's the same yesterday. Hebrews 13.8. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We define Sometimes we, we build a theology of God, a view of God, not based on what his word says and tells us who he is, but instead on our own pain. We, we don't pray like we used to. We don't believe like we used to. We don't look with hope-filled expectation. Why? Because we've had disappointments. We've had discouragement. We've had loss. We've had failure. All of those things. And we don't go to God with that kind of anticipation because our faith isn't built on what his word says is based on our feelings. It's based on what hasn't happened yet. Be careful building your view of God based on that because it's imperfect. But here's what God's word tells us. Jesus is the same yesterday. He saved then. He's the same today. He saves now. Jesus healed then. He's the same. He heals now. He's, religion's really good about the yesterday and tomorrow part. Oh, one day God will move. One day things will be different. No, no, no. Faith is knowing that Jesus today can move in your life. Not based on what I'm saying, based on what God's word says. Based on what his word tells us about Jesus. This woman pushes through the crowd. Her waiting is not a passive thing. She doesn't see Jesus go by and go, well, he missed me. I guess not, it's not my day. <laughs> she, she's heard enough about Jesus. She doesn't have it all figured out. Can I just help you? Nobody does. <laughs> I, 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 I've preached the, the, the word for 18 years. I'm still finding so much about God that I didn't know. Come on, that's the adventure. He's, he's still better than I've even thought. <laughs> and, and so... So this woman, in response to who Jesus is, pushes through the crowd. Sometimes you have to push past some people to get to Jesus. Because people have done stuff, and they've said stuff, and maybe they've even represented God in a way that isn't good. Maybe they were in church and they talked about you. Can I get personal for a minute? <laughs> maybe they hurt you, even in a place you shouldn't have been. In God's house, among God's people, sometimes you have to push past people to get to Jesus. I just determined a long time ago, no matter what people have done, said, or how they've been in my life, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get to Jesus, because the pain of today is not worth me missing tomorrow. I'm going to push past the stuff to get to Jesus, because he's good, and he's what I need. And she pushes through the crowd just to touch the hem of his garment. There was no formula for that, church. There's, no, there's nowhere in the Gospels that ever said Jesus touched people with the edge of his garment. Like he walked around and just, you know, <laughs> be healed. You know, that, that just did. He would lay hands on people. He'd speak a word. He'd do all these different things. But, but that's not the point. The point is she touched Jesus. She pushed through the crowd. Her waiting looked like faith. And immediately. It's amazing how we think God's late, but it's an immediately. <laughs> we think God's late or delayed, 
She pushes through and she gets to Jesus. She didn't look at the last 12 years and say, well, God didn't, therefore he won't. She pushes through the crowd. Jesus turns, verse 45, and says, who touched me? And when all denied it, Peter said, "Um, Jesus, master, there's a whole crowd of people. What are you talking about? What do you say who touched you? Jesus said, no, you don't understand. Somebody touched me. See, Jesus knows the difference between religious, curious people and somebody who touched him in faith. Somebody who was in need that said, I'm going to do whatever it takes. I don't care how I look. I don't care what people say. I'm going after Jesus. Somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out from me. <laughs> when, now, when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling, falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. We've got three points for you this morning. Number one, your miracle is at the intersection of persistence and providence. If you can keep that up for a moment. Your miracle is found at the intersection of providence and persistence. What's persistence? It's what she's doing. She's saying, I'm pushing through, not just the crowd, she's pushing through her feelings. She's pushing through her history of 12 years of baggage, of disappointment, of hurt, of what what people promised and couldn't deliver, all of that. She's pushing through. That's persistent faith. That's what the Bible defines as waiting, looking expectantly. In fact, uh, Mark's gospel account of this story actually says that she said to herself before she grabbed a hold of his garment that if I just touch the hedge of his, edge of his garment, I'll be made whole. She, she was looking with expectation. And your miracle's found in the moment where those two things intersect. Your persistence in not letting what's happened or not happened keep you from moving forward after Jesus. And it's found when it meets his providence, which is God's care, his hand on your life, that God is for you and God has promised to to meet you. God's promised to set free, heal, deliver, redeem, restore. And that's what his word says. And his providence is provided for those things. And when those two things meet, we find everything changes. Verse 49, while he, Jesus, was still speaking, because here's the problem there's still a guy named Jairus. Remember him? And he's probably a little frustrated because the crowd's slowing him down, but now they've had a major delay. They've had a significant delay as this woman has grabbed hold of Jesus' garment and, and as he stopped to look around and as they discussed how she was healed, this whole moment, this whole conversation, this whole, this whole story, while it's an incredible miracle and testimony in this woman's life, is a significant delay for Jairus. Why? Because he's in urgent need. Jesus, we got to get to this woman. Jesus, we got to get to my daughter. We've got to get to my house. I need you to pray for her. And while Jesus is still speaking to this woman about how her faith has made her whole, they get news that it seems like it's too late. While he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, Jairus' house, and said, your daughter's dead. Don't, don't trouble the teacher anymore. Don't bother. Have you ever felt like it's too late and you thought, I'm not going to bother praying anymore about it? I, I'm not going to bother believing anymore about it. I'm just going to let that thing go. 
because we cope with disappointment in different ways. Usually we cope with disappointment by bearing it. And in the process of bearing it, we lower our expectations. It's interesting because delays oftentimes, you see this throughout the Bible, delays often are seasons where it looks like a promise has died. It looks like a thing God said he would do becomes absolutely physically and naturally impossible. If you've ever experienced delay, you're in good company. The Bible tells us about Abraham who's promised to have a son, and yet there's 20 years that go by between when God said you would have a son and when Isaiah, or Isaac, excuse me, when Isaac showed up. God promises a deliverer to the Israelites enslaved in Egypt, and he raises up Moses, and at 40 years of age, Moses tries to be a deliverer, and he, he kills an, an Egyptian to protect one of the Hebrew slaves, but his own people reject him, and Pharaoh wants to kill him, and Moses ends up as a fugitive for 40 more years before he experiences what God had created him for. That looked like a delay. <laughs> Joshua, he, he spent 40 years in the desert too, not because of his own choice, but because an entire generation said, we can't, God won't, let's go back. It's really sad when we experience delay because of other people, but God's promise has no expiration date. That's the good news. And, and maybe you've experienced delay, and you, you've been kind of like Jairus, because here's, here's, if I'm putting myself in his shoes for a minute, I'm a little frustrated right now. Not only am I, of course, grieving and trying to figure out the news that I've just heard, but I'm also probably a little, I'm a little mad. Okay, I'm a lot mad. Because <laughs> we should have been there by now. We shouldn't have been delayed. We shouldn't have been held up. Even if it meant this woman was healed. See, the problem in delay is we often see other people getting the very thing we've been asking for. We see God at work in other people's lives and we misidentify, misdefine our season because we think, well, God, you're doing it for them, but not for me. Instead of recognizing in the delay, us seeing God work in the lives of other people should let us know God's about to do something in my life. Rather than getting discouraged, rather than looking at our own life and going, oh God, why not me? Nobody's ever felt like that, right? God, why not me? God, did you like, you got so many kids, you lost track of one of them? And we become upset, even offended at God, bitter, confused, jealous, all those things. I mean, you name it. Why? Because we see something happening in the life of somebody else that we've even prayed for and we've asked God for. But I love this because God's big enough to take care of all of his kids. <laughs> God's power didn't have a limitation. There wasn't a cap on how many people he could help and heal and restore and set free. Jesus, as, as no sooner as Jairus heard this news, Jesus looks at him in the eye, and here's what he tells him. Go to verse 50. The very next thing he says, don't be afraid. What are you talking about? Uh, did you not hear the news? Did you not hear what happened? Jesus looks at him and says, don't be afraid. Only believe. What do you do in the delay? Only believe. 
Point number two is this. It's the title of the message. Delayed, not done. Why do you only believe? Because you may think God's delayed, but he's really not. But more importantly, you need to know he's not done. Your story's not over. Your circumstance doesn't define the outcome. The bad news doesn't define the outcome. He, he, he says, only believe your daughter will be made well. And so they go to her, their house. And when they come to the house, inside is a whole crowd of people that are mourning and weeping. And, and of course, some of them are family and friends. But at that time, there was kind of an odd profession, but they were actually professional mourners. <laughs> and Jesus walks in the room. Jason, if you and the team want to get ready. Jesus walks in the room. And... And he says, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. And they hear him say this knowing what their eyes tell them and what they see is Jairus' daughter is dead. <laughs> and Jesus, you know, I don't know where we get this idea that Jesus is always nice. He's always good. He's always love. But sometimes love looks like turning some tables over. And driving out anything that interferes with love. Third point, final point for taking notes, is turn off the noise. Because Jesus said something very clear to Jairus before they entered the house. Only believe. Don't be afraid. Only believe. And as soon as they get in and Jesus says she'll be made well, the people that are there begin to mock Jesus in what he said. And Jesus does something I think that's important for all of us to do in moments where we need to hear God's voice above all the noise. Jesus takes all of those voices, all the people that are criticizing, complaining. He takes them and gently leads them outside and shuts the door. And all that's left is him, his disciples, and Jairus. And Jesus says something because Jairus might not have heard through the noise. See, sometimes we can't hear what God has promised and what God has said because there's too many other voices that are speaking into our life that are saying, you won't make it, that are saying, God won't, God can't, that are saying, it's over, it's done. Sometimes that voice is our own. Saying we've made too much of a mess, we've gone too far, it's been too long. Like the woman, it's been 12 long years, nothing will change, nothing will be different. And what she needed was Jesus. What this man Jairus and his daughter needed was Jesus. The thing they both had in common, different needs, different situations, but they both had Jesus. Jesus said, because his word has power. His word has authority. His word moves mountains. His word changes hopeless situations and raises dead things to life. He said, little girl, arise. Arise. 
we can wait with hope-filled expectation. Not because we're checking the days on the calendar until God does it. No, no. Can I just say, give up, give the how to God. Give the when to God. Just know what he said. This is the what. The how and when is up to him. I'm just going to keep pushing to Jesus. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep standing. I'm going to keep believing. And watch what he's going to do. Would you stand to your feet? Let me pray with you today. We trust this message encourages you in faith and in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about River City Church, find us on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co.